0: Post game here, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me. Gordo uh, took a little longer than I think we would have liked, but the Leafs find themselves back in the win column with a 4-3 shootout win over the Golden Knights. Uh, yeah, it did. It did.
1: Um, I don't know what to say about the game. It wasn't. Uh, uh, it wasn't as entertaining or great as the game against the Colorado Avalanche. But let's face it, the Vegas Golden Knights a real good test. It's a funny one. What they had 11 minute run where they didn't get a shot in the second period, then about an eight-minute run towards the end of the third period. So uh, a little bit of a different animal. You know, um, our buddy Steve Fellin, just just quickly a, a note out there that this would have been the second time in Leaf history that they would have blown multi-goal leads, if you follow this, in the third period in back-to-back games. And back in 2006 was the other time. Now, they didn't blow this lead, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of indicative that third periods where they've had a three-goal lead against Colorado and a two-goal lead against Vegas, and it ends up being tied at regulation time.
0: Yeah, thankfully uh, they they managed to get the best of them in the shootout or we would have been talking about that because, yeah, hey, plenty of teams uh, blow leads, but it's never quite a story like it is uh, here in Toronto when, when it's this Leafs team doing it. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the kind of uneven play that this team saw. I thought outside of the the special teams in the first period, the Leafs really carried the play. Uh, the game started with the William Nylander breakaway and that, that's how it ended up going. But, I mean, you know, this is a team that showed itself that it can play solid hockey. All throughout the year, so I don't think there's any worry or panic. But this is back-to-back games now. There, where there have been stretches where you know teams just kind of completely take the play to you, and you know I think that going out on the road, these are all the tests the Leafs want to have. But that's a uh, a pattern that, that we're starting to see. That I think a, a team that has the expectations the Leafs do, you need to find a way to clean that up.
1: Yeah, you do. You do. Tough buildings, the last two on the road, crowds, all those types of things. So good tests. And I got to say twice in a row to a varying degree, and we texted back and forth a little bit. Uh, I hate to complain, but Chintzy, the Kerfoot penalty call was a chintsey one end of the second period. And I know that wasn't a power play goal by Vegas, but they still kind of were in that mode to start the third. And, you know, just both times... uh, Let's call them ill-advised and chintzy penalties. You can't do that against these great teams. And you know Nick Ritchie had it last game late in the game against Colorado. Uh, in this case, Kyle Clifford. You know against Colorado, we talked about uh, he struggled and got couldn't get the pot of puck out from behind the net, and that factored the Colorado goal and. You know, again, an offensive zone penalty when you're out there in a one-goal game in the third period. I mean, um, you always say you can't take those penalties. I mean, you play the game, penalties happen. But, yeah, the, you know, we, the Kyle Cliffords of the world, like, uh, they can't. Uh, you know, they can't. The Nick Ritchie's in the offensive zone in a one-goal game in the third period. So, again, good lessons along the way. I mean, these are lessons they already know. But, you know, what, the, what put them in a hole are, are those types of things.
0: Well, I mean, the, the Clifford, I'm, I'm with you on the Rishi, the Kerfoot, the Clifford penalty at the end, I mean, that that's just a guy losing control of his skates and okay, it's one penalty, it, it kind of is what it is, but it's just, it is so frustrating to see time and time again, where we're having these conversations about what exactly is it, or it, what is a penalty, what isn't, and you know, that, that, that Clifford one, and that, but, you know, to to, you know, well, the opposite of the Leafs' credit, you get called for a penalty that i don't like on the clifford call and then you take a too many men penalty when you're already killing it like that's where you know the refs do you no favors but then you don't do yourselves any favors and again hey you get two points you know vegas hard barn to go in hard team to play against all of those things but you know this is a team that again we're just starting to see some of these patterns turn and you know tomorrow night against arizona as good a night as any and again i don't want to sit here it's all doom and gloom but these are just you know, we we sit here and cheerlead, uh, and it's I think it's important to kind of highlight the the slightly worrying things. Plenty of positives tonight, but yeah, just the uh, the the way you've seen kind of games see games slip away from you. Those are the really encouraging or discouraging things to me.
1: Well, yeah, and and again, you know, again these guys, except for Morgan Riley, I think weren't there for the Boston game way back when, but Maple Leaf fans were game seven, and then against Montreal. I mean, it's, it's a legitimate concern because two of the three games had multi-goal leads to dissipate it. So you kind of get your spidey senses up. You know, it's funny, the the, the, the killer was that too many men on the ice, and they were really killing that penalty well. As a matter of fact, you know, they almost scored a shorthanded goal, which could have put the game away. But... Uh, they were they were they were killing it so well that it was a bit of an unusual move when the puck was gonna be dumped in. I don't remember who it was that passed it back to the Leaf D. And that's where they were kind of I don't want to say lazy, but we're in that mode that the puck's going in and, you know, getting a little bit of that jump, which you do, you know, pushing the envelope, getting on the ice a bit quicker. I think it was TJ Brody coming on and yep. Morgan Riley's supposed to go off, but uh but but boy, against that Vegas team being down two men, uh you got you had very little chance. And and that was that was a difference maker. I liked the way they were killing off the Kyle Clifford penalty up to then.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Part of that was a little bit of complacency on on Vegas's part. You know, they're they're sitting there passing the puck around. Lord knows we've seen it enough with with this team, the Leafs we cover. Of you know, you want to try to look for the perfect shot, and it looked like they were going to kind of pass their way out of a power play. And hey, good credit credit where credit's due to the Leafs. It was part of them. Uh, you know, it's it's good defense forcing them into the, those extra passes. A uh, few few positives, few things I really like tonight. Uh, I'll I'll start with the top line. You know, no Mitch Marner. Of course, he makes that line go when he's going. The chemistry him and Matthews have is unbelievable. But, you know, Kasha and Bunting have just worked so well alongside him. And, you know, Bunting and Matthews have some good chemistry going on. Kasha's been kind of like Kerfoot in that you can put him anywhere, and it's worked so far this year. But I think that's a really, really positive sign for just more options that this team has to show that you can kind of leave Austin Matthews out there, for lack of a better term, by himself. And it's still going to be a dominant first line.
1: Yeah, not, not that we're going to get into like I never get big about debating who took the shots, especially when you won. But I thought Cashen would take it, and Sessa Spetsa. I've really liked him. I thought he's a good guy to take the uh, uh, penalty shot in the shootout. But uh, your point's bang on. I mean, some nice little passing plays, some smart plays to create offense. And the other part of Okasha in particular is a strong two-way play. But with guys out of the lineup, mainly Marner here and others having to fill different roles, uh, we're seeing those players jumping up and doing it. Um, you know, really save for Nick Ritchie, who uh, who hasn't been able to but the uh, by and large, but the other guys haven't. And, and uh, it's, you know, camp kasha and your relative michael bunting i can't <laughs> uh, can't say enough good things about them and we're getting you know to not quite that we're getting closer to the halfway point and um you know the determination really it's not like they're signed for you don't get signed for five years anymore you know it's no. sort of you better find out what you can do in a year and see where it goes from there but that that remains a real positive about this team this year
0: yeah, you wonder you wonder if Kasha told them I used my move. That's the only one I got. I got a break away. I got one move, and I already used it. So you don't, you can't uh, you can't throw me back out there. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. He's a uh, he's a guy who I knew I'd like his motor. You know, I knew he'd be a kind of good soldier in the bottom six, but definitely a lot a lot more finish and uh, more offensive prowess than than I would have thought. Uh, somebody else who uh, you know he, he's Russian, but uh, you'd think he's from Finland right now with all the finish he's got. Ilya Makeda of uh, four goals in five games, didn't score in the first one. He's got a goal in every game uh, other than the first since he's come back. Uh, Doesn't seem to matter where you put him in the lineup. And for a guy who's been as unlucky puck luck wise as he has been, how many times have we seen pucks jump over his stick or breakaways not rattle home for him that it just feels like if anybody was due for a run like this, of just kind of having some good puck luck, it's a guy like Mikheyev.
1: You know he's got that intangible brain. He he looks like a goal scorer the last couple of games, and that's not the most astute statement to say. But uh, we haven't seen it. We've seen him look like again the Michael Grabner, the guy that has all this skill, but the the lack of finish. And more and more, that's just his kind of you know determination. This one, a quick ricochet off the backboard, and he hammers it in, just capitalizing on that. So you know uh, if uh, and, and I'd said that to you, or we discussed it about you always you always hope your best case scenario that when when he when he, he's, he breaks the ice, when uh, he he, uh, he breaks the seal on that keg, that all of a sudden <laughs> the goal scoring just comes, you know, the natural. And so it's not a big body of work, but maybe, I mean, the best case scenario is this is what we've discussed. And, you know, for a few games it certainly has happened. And, uh, you know, maybe it can from here on in. That would be fabulous
0: yeah it it would be because he's a guy who can kind of change the ceiling of of what exactly the type of offense you can get out of that bottom six if he can be that third cog of that checking line with camp and Kasha once everybody's back uh, it just it just kind of changes you know a little bit the offensive ceiling for this team Uh, one other guy I wanted to highlight tonight and no it's not Jack Campbell we'll we'll get to him I know you're big on this guy as well it's Morgan Riley he had the great breakout feed uh, to set up Nylander on the breakaway uh, was really active in in Three on three overtime. Uh he he did get burned uh on on one of the uh the goals there. He w- he was out there uh, fishing behind the net with Kerfoot, I think it was. But you know, I think I think Morgan Riley just I I know we say it pretty much every night, but I thought he was really solid tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah. And again, where you're hoping the Maple Leafs go, you see those great teams have that stud D. You know, uh Kale McCarr with Colorado although I understand Bobby Clark says Philadelphia should have got him. Why <laughs> did Clarkie unload on Ron Hextel, the former general manager? And then, you know, in Alex Petrangelo's case, if it comes down to, say, the St. Louis Blues and Vegas Golden Knights as the final two, and, and I, I haven't checked. you know, Sometimes it's impossible. That could work out. But anyway, if it comes down to them as the final two in the West, Petrangelo could be the sole difference. I mean, just having that caliber stud D on Vegas – rather than in St. Louis, where he hoisted the Stanley Cup a few years ago. So my point in all that is Morgan Riley won't be one quite up to that, but who's saying in the playoffs you can't? You know, in the playoffs, solid D, you want depth on your D, but also could, you know, Morgan Riley, he's shown at times, be that real stud D that's a difference maker in the playoffs. And this was one of those games tonight, like you alluded to, Brent, that, you know, he really showed that, which is great, in a tough building against a tough opponent.
0: Uh, you you mentioned Peter Angelo. I wanna I wanna talk about him as well. But just kind of sticking with the Leafs D for a second there. Uh and he was a guy we were both kind of gushing at whether it was on the Leafs this week or after the Colorado game. He had a huge hit right at the blue line tonight. That's the kind of thing I think we're going to see more and more from him. You know the Cronwall comparison is always kind of there because of the smaller Swedish guy. Uh, you know that that's pretty lofty praise. That guy had a really long NHL career. We'll, maybe we'll get there one day. But for right now. This is just a young defenseman that just seems to, I don't know, every week or two, just feeling more and more confident. And we know how important confidence is for young players. Like I, I I really loved what I saw to Sandine, and, and just the fact that you see a guy catching somebody with a clean open ice hit, you don't really see that all that often anymore. So I love that as well.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. We talk about when it uh, crept in the game, the clean hits, Get some kind of retribution or retaliation, but something Sandine, It just said, "Hey, good hit, great." <laughs> like it's just to your point. I don't know because it's so open. Ice it's not never near the boards, which is hard to do. And and you notice he was out there early in the, in the three on three overtime. And you know, more and more, he's got that confidence. And he was he it, not much happened in that overtime. By the way, that was <laughs> such a different overtime than than we've seen by where we said, "Give us more, give us more." I could have done with less of that. They they were really playing for the shootout. But but when he came on, say. Sandine did a couple of times, tried to make some things happen. And uh, more and more, Sheldon Keefe is uh, giving him more and more opportunities.
0: There were there were a couple times in that three on three overtime before Matthews got off that I said, "Oh no, are we gonna have to have this conversation again?" Because and hey, uh, credit where credits due. I'll I will I will let Austin Matthews do riverboat gambling when the extra points in play. If you think you can stay out there and make something happen, all power to you. But I uh, I thought there was gonna be the exact same situation we saw on Saturday night uh, where he got caught because uh, he he extended himself quite a bit early on. And I want to be clear when you're as good a goal score as he is stay out there if you if you feel like you can but I uh, I did think he was going to get caught again tonight
1: I I was what you know it's funny and I was making a mental note saying we can't be you know we can't beat that to death me <laughs> Brent and I if that ends up because <laughs> it looked like the same play again it's the long change as everybody knows in the shootout and he is positioned furthest from the bench on these two particular nights I'm not sure you know what the scheme is normally, and uh, yeah, he's, he's sort of got that moment. It's uh, it's the commit line in slow pitch, right, where they when they, <laughs> they draw that line that once you're there, which does not happen in regular baseball, but you got to go. And uh, he kind of committed that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang in there for a bit. And you're in a lot of trouble if it's in your own head. <laughs> and for a second, I thought that. After that, I thought I thought the changes were great. I did, but again, you know, they're just really there weren't many over to um, any like, like five-star goal-scoring chances for either team in the five-minute overtime
0: no they're they're really they're really weren't it felt like stone got half a step on somebody on the very first shift of it and that was pretty much uh, pretty much it there uh, one other guy I wanted to touch on uh, from from the least perspective tonight um, we talk about him every night because he's outstanding uh, Jack Campbell he has a 912 save percentage tonight and that's actually going to hurt his numbers on the year that that's how good he's been uh, just every single night he gives you a chance to win he's perfect in the shootout he holds his ground in three on three overtime I I I'm honestly running out of things to say about how dominant and how incredible this guy is.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Zach Fucalli was that great story. Cause he'd had the minimum three starts and he had a point four, two goals against average. Right. <laughs> and then of course the other night he had a tough one. So he kind of fell back a bit, but, uh, uh, I, at least they won, so Jack Campbell won't be blaming himself about something. Uh, I uh, it's he, he just continues to be a pleasure. And the big story will be, I know it's Arizona, but just in general, not just one game, but Peter Mrazek getting some flow and getting that goaltending tandem going and having two viable options heading into the playoffs, and then you know if 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 Morazic plays great then that's um that's a predicament that you you're comfortable going with Peter Morazik as your number one goaltender next year because in a lot of ways, partially because of Morazic's contract, it's starting to look more and more that Jack Campbell might have the Zach Hyman issues and try to make the fit with Toronto now again, that's down the road, and I still remain optimistic that something will work out, but that is the reality
0: yeah, the other thing about it for me is you need Peter Morazk to have a strong game in Arizona. Cause I don't know how many more games he's getting in. There's going to come a time when the schedule really tightens up and you and oh, you out there, you're gonna be so sick of Gordon and I because you're gonna be hearing us every single night because that's the schedule that this team is going to have to play at some point in time. But until then, I don't know how much of Marazic you're going to see just because of how well Campbell's going. So I think it's really, really important that he has a strong game just because I don't know when else he's going to have a chance to kind of build some momentum and, and get something going. And again, the fact that it's against Arizona, you know, look, everybody, every team in the league is is in the NHL. These are all talented players, but you better believe a guy like Marazic is going to be beating himself up a little more if he has a rough night against Arizona versus if it's a rough night against Colorado or uh or, or a team uh, like, like Vegas. Um, there was just a couple of things I wanted to touch on from, from the uh, the Golden Knights perspective. We, we You mentioned him uh, a minute ago there. Alex Petrangelo, nearly 33 minutes. You know, this is a guy who I think we all know how talented he is. Blues captain when they won the Cup. We give him that due. But just playing out in Vegas, you know, sometimes he's one of those guys who we don't get a chance to appreciate. And man, uh, you you can easily see why he was the captain of a Cup champ and, and how he easily log nearly 33 minutes tonight
1: and also give Doug Armstrong credit about making difficult business decisions right I mean you know what they weren't that far apart but they were far enough that he went as the UFA to the Vegas Golden Knights just as Carolina let you know Dougie Hamilton go Jeff Skinner you know for almost nothing in a trade and you, you got you got to make those kind of decisions and uh, obviously that's what the, that's what they knew they were losing in St. Louis they you know did sign Tory Krug they did make some other moves but that and then Doug went and made him one of the three guys. That was kind of a weird PR thing, right? Where every country got to name three players That's on right, their yeah. Olympic team, right? Like three no-brainers. And and Doug went for his former guy, and you really see it. I I don't is he is he getting better and better? I mean, like you know, he had like a solid start in his NHL career, but it wasn't like Kale McCarr or or, or that was it. It wasn't like he no. was killing it right off the bat by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know if it's the confidence factor or the experience of winning in playoffs, but yeah, you really notice him. Uh, his size is one, but you 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 notice him as that stud on D more so than than I can remember him in St. Louis.
0: Yeah, that, that's exactly it. He just has that big poise. He just, he feel like he's, feels like a security blanket. Whenever he's on the ice, you know things are going to be going well for him. And uh, one other player on Vegas, just a guy I have a bit of a man crush on. And again, we don't get to see him all that much. We saw him way too much early on in his NHL career. But I guess you could kind of say the forward uh, Angelo and, and Mark Stone. Uh, just incredible defensive instincts, a uh, better offensive player than I think some people give him credit for. And again, just, just playing out in Vegas, a guy we don't get to see all that much. And I, I just wanted to get a chance to gush over him for a minute. Cause man, uh, he would have been an incredible member of Canada's shutdown line at the Olympics. Uh, if these guys would have been going, yeah.
1: Through. You know, that's where uh, the Ottawa Senators scouting staff, you know, when you you, you look at Mike Hoffman and Mark Stone that, that were, you know, taken kind of like Tampa Bay in, in, in later rounds. They make so many great picks like off and Point, not in the mm-hmm. first round. And um, yeah, economics come into play and those trades are, are necessary. But, uh, yeah, what a, like, we saw, again, we saw so much of them with the Ottawa Senators and the Leafs really seem to have the Senators numbers. So, like, I, I just don't remember a whole lot about that like he was always great he was always great but ottawa wasn't and then you know he he's the guy that really helped like he wasn't there the first year for the vegas golden knights he was sort of there there sculpting about with other players and and, and additions and making the big trade and if you make a big trade and you give a guy a big contract and again i'll go back to jeff skinner and buffalo as a example about how you can get stuck in a hurry if that contract doesn't work out uh but stone is proven and shown you know Perfectly, Vegas gave up some decent, decent uh, assets for it, but uh, he's loved it there, and he's played great there.
0: Yeah, he, he has, and it, it's not an accident that he shines even more on a talented team. Like He's a guy who would look good on any team, but he shines when there's better players around him, and he can kind of be part of a great uh, system. So no, no shock to see him uh, comporting himself, to borrow one of your favorite words uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, Gord, anything else uh, you want to touch on tonight before we hear from Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe?
1: Yeah, no, no, you know, just look. You got two. I, I think the start of this trip, you would take uh, the two points in the two games. Um, I, again, I think he'll extol the positives and the virtues of that. I. Uh, it's funny. The last time they were in Vegas, Mike Babcock's last game as head coach of the Maple Leafs, November nineteenth, twenty nineteen. So you gotta you gotta salute Sheldon Keith. He's off to a phenomenal start as well. That uh, his his record since taking over from Mike Babcock and his first game was that game in Arizona, which the Leafs are going to replicate at two two plus years later. So I'll, I'll give I'll give Sheldon Keith some props before we hear from the head Leaf head coach. How about that? Well,
0: I love it. I'm uh, just remembering back to that first game against Arizona. Tyson Berry finally getting on the board as a Leaf, and if Nick Ritchie hadn't have got his first, I would have said it would have been uh, against the Yotes but you don't have to worry about that because he's already got uh, a couple, uh, Gord. It has been a blast. Before we step aside tonight, let's hear from the Leafs head coach, Sheldon Keith. Hey, Sheldon, just start off with an easy one here for you. Just your thoughts on the game. You had a strong, strong start, I guess
2: a strong finish, and uh, what happened in between? I thought that we started the second period, uh, gave them the game back and opened it up, and we led to... <clears throat> Let's, uh, you know, one of those stretches, three, four-minute stretch where we really couldn't get the puck, couldn't get anything going. We really allowed their game to take hold. Um, that was the type of game we thought it would be. I mean, with that type of team, when you, you know, we, we make a mistake on an entry, have no structure coming back up ice, make it easy, and then we get through the neutral zone, which we really hadn't done through, uh, really through, through the whole first period. And uh, then they got their ozone game going from there. Uh, So that made made it a tougher second period for us. We were able to get two goals, which was obviously huge for us. We had an opportunity in the third period to make good on what we failed to do the other night. And uh, we failed to do that again here today. I think the third period is a whole, it's a lot different than it was the other night. I didn't think we gave up very much uh, in the third period. In fact, went through it really quickly with at five-on-five. Five, I, I think we gave up two scoring chances in that third period. One is the goal uh, early in the third. Obviously, we make a, an unacceptable and uh, rare mistake on the penalty kill to, to take the too many men and puts us down five-on-three. That's the difference there. We go from missing a shorthanded breakaway and you know breaking the game – do a two-goal lead again uh, and said we're, we're killing five on three and, and uh, the game's tied. So disappointed with that. Um, look at it here. We've played two very elite teams here in the West and gotten three out of four points. So for that, we feel good about. But um, if we want to we be a serious hockey team, we've got to be better in third periods and find ways to control the game.
0: Thanks. Next go to Luke Fox, Sportsnet. Go ahead, Luke.
2: Hi, Sheldon. You haven't lost the special teams battle too often, uh, but how concerning uh, were the number of uh, minors that you took tonight? Yeah, I didn't like like any of our penalties today at all. Uh, Stuff far away from our net. Um, Careless penalties. Obviously the too many men, I mean, I don't know. I remember the last time I've ever seen a shorthanded team get called for too many men, especially when they have the puck, but but um, those things can't happen. Those are the mental mistakes that you gotta you gotta get out of your game. You know, if you wanna you wanna win games, you wanna take care of games against good teams, you gotta you gotta do that. So um, yeah, not good for us there. Power play wasn't good enough either. Yeah, like you said, it's been a long time since we didn't get the edge on special teams. We thought today coming in the game that you know it was a real opportunity for us to to win that uh, win that battle, and, and we weren't good enough on either side of it tonight. Any update on Marner and Engvall, and when they'll rejoin you guys? Both guys are still in the protocol, so that's all
0: I have for you on that. Next, go to Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun. Go ahead, Terry.
2: Sheldon, some of the things you, the, the the club has had to work through in the past two games is it. Uh, is that, is that a result of not having played in a while and just trying to find your footing again? Um, I know you practice quite a bit and be able to work some of those things out in practice, but not having played in a lot of games lately, does that, is that part of the issue here or does that matter to you? I mean, I think we could say that, you know, it, it would be it would be nice for us to say that, you know, that that's reality. We haven't played. In you know games like this in quite a while, uh, and certainly teams that get at this caliber, you can practice all you want uh, until you got another team on the other side pushing back, and you got you know sold out building that's yelling and screaming. Uh, it, you know, it's not the same. You, just, you have to go through that. Uh, like I said, the fact you got three out of four points in these two hockey games here is a very good sign for our team, and the fact that you can take three out of four points away from it. And take some very valuable lessons that uh, you know, as a group here, we have to we have to be better in. And I think if you look at us before Christmas, you know, we we had been quite good in third periods. Just this week here, these last couple of games, it just it obviously hasn't gone our way. So it, it has our attention to to clean that up. I mean, today is a completely different animal than Colorado. I mean, Colorado, we were just absolutely dominated. In, in the third period and uh, today I don't think it was a defensive issue. Uh, granted, me, you know on the first goal in the third period their their second goal of the game. That's that's a defensive issue. That's that's just unacceptable how we how we played that. But um, we didn't give up much after that. To me, it's more of an issue of we got to relax and play the game and make some plays and play on offense and control the play can't just be on our heels and, and that's what i didn't like about tonight and and, and in some ways against colorado but uh, tonight we didn't push back offensively i liked how our guys defended they did a good job like i said two scoring chances against in that third period at five on five and really through the game i thought our guys defended really well this is you know the, the number one team in the nhl at scoring off the rush I don't think we gave up anything off the rush at all tonight. Uh, we, our guys were really committed to that. So that gives us a chance to win the game, but it's just little things. You know, when it's when it's a, it's a one or 2 goal hockey game, it's little mistakes, obviously, that, that can hurt you. Um, but to me, we, we just got to continue to play our game when, when we're in control like this. So, you know, we're going to get on the plane, go out to Arizona tonight and be ready to go at it again tomorrow in a game that we can't overlook. We've got to be at our best here, and we should be a little aggravated about how we've let these leads slip away here in these two games and take that aggravation and turn it into motivation in terms of just playing a good, sound team game tomorrow night.
0: Last question here. We'll go to Mark Masters, TSN. Go ahead, Mark. Sheldon,
1: looking at tomorrow's game, Austin goes home, Bunting faces his old team. Do you expect some of that to translate into an emotional response as well? And for you on a personal level, what's this trip mean to you going back where you had your first win as an NHL coach and, of course, your family's roots?
2: Yeah, I mean, the family part of it is, you know, that, that's uh, that's something for me for sure. Um, and I'm sure, well, I know for Austin uh, it is, and and uh, for Bunch going back and play against your, you know an organization to give you a start and uh, in the NHL and all that. You know, I think those those things matter um, matter more matters more, or at least it's more important for the players on the ice than it is for uh, someone standing behind the bench. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that that uh, kind of stuff is something that we can rally around tomorrow. Um, because, like I said, we can't overlook tomorrow's game. We're going to play a team that's that's uh, rested, hasn't played here in quite a bit. We've played two very, very tough games on this trip, though we've had a ample time to to recover uh, be- between the first and second game. We should be having no issues as we uh, get ready to, to play uh, a good game again tomorrow night and, and a good clean game because we haven't played a clean game here yet on this trip.
0: All right, there is the Leafs bench boss following the shootout win on the road in Las Vegas. No rest for the Leafs. They are right back at it, continuing the back-to-back against the Coyotes in the desert. We'll have the game for you on Sportsnet 5.9 The Fan, and as always, we'll be back with a post-game pod. Thanks so much for listening to Leafs Nation Postgame.